Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So our Bible reading plan, I keep, uh, I keep pushing it because I keep getting inspired by it. And uh, this week, the Bible reading plan took us through the uh, philosophical book of Ecclesiastes. I preached from Ecclesiastes on a Wednesday night. I want to also share a message that the Lord inspired me on from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you would join me there today. So I have observed a mistake that some people can make, very common mistake, and one that is understandable that people can make very often. It is the mistake of regret or mourning the past. There are no doubt there are people here that you've made mistakes in your past, that you've done things that if you had the choice, you would rather not have them highlighted. Right? Our, we, we make choices in life that we regret, that we look back on and say, why was I so stupid? The other problem that many people have thinking about the past We also have those who worry every day about the future. What does the future hold? What if? What if I can't pay the bill? What if? uh, What if this person uh, uh, dies? Or you know, what if? uh, The the what ifs can consume some people. How many have met a few people like that? And so both of these are actually the same mistake. For people who are. who are consumed by the past, also those who are afraid of the future. Do you know what the problem is with both of those worries, both of those cares? You can't do anything about them. You cannot change the past. And while we do have power to direct our future, the truth is Jesus said you shouldn't be worried about the future because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Do you? You don't even know if you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. For sure, you don't know that. And so, the proper perspective, according to the Word of God, is this. The past should be in the past. We learn from the past, but we don't let it bog us down. Also, when it comes to the future, yes, we're going to invest, we're going to live right, but we're not going to be consumed or paralyzed by worrying about the future. Jesus said, how... Uh, does this even add one inch to your height by worrying about your future? Of course not. doesn't change anything. And so people who are uh, stuck in those two mistakes, worrying about the past or worrying about the future, many times will make the mistake of being paralyzed today. And the, the powerful thing I want you to consider from the Scripture here is that while you can't change the past 
and you don't know what's happening tomorrow, the truth is you know what's happening today. And you do have power to change something today. Today is the only moment in which you can live, in which you can make changes, in which you can do something that is going to affect your life. You can't change yesterday. You can't uh, understand tomorrow. But you can do something today. And for fear of worrying about the past or the future, many people miss the ability to make profound impact on their lives today. This is a message I've titled, Serve God Today, and I'm very, very glad. I know that God gave me the right message because we are, uh, we are in a crowd of younger people here today. And I want to speak uh, to young people, and I'm going to go ahead and include myself in that today because it makes me feel better. Young people. We are going to read the wisdom of a man who's lived life. If you want to uh, get the perspective of uh, what the life of Solomon was like, go back and listen to the message from Wednesday night on our church podcast, and uh, God will help you. But the, the short version is that he had everything that the world had to offer. He had money. He had wealth. He had fame. He had power. He had, uh, he had uh, everything that the world says that you need. And yet he found all of it was meaningless. Everything under the sun to him, he did not find meaning, value, and purpose in it. And so this book is a search for value, meaning, and purpose. I can't think of something more relevant for young people today. The search for value, meaning, and purpose. Is there anything worth living for is the question of this book And we're going to find the answer to that today. I want you to join me as uh, we read this whole chapter. We're going to come back and pick it apart a little bit. But stick with me. Please be patient as we read these 14 verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I like it. Verse 1 says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say... Life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants will stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. I just described somebody here. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now, while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth The spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. 
Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just and right, the, uh, right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But, my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless. Study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. God, we're asking you to pour out the Holy Ghost today. We need you to speak. We need you to bring your word, your truth into our lives today. We're believing you, God, to do a miracle. Lord, I pray for young people today that you would give them wisdom, Lord, to make right decisions today, which will affect their lives for years to come. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Again, the message, the title of this message, Serve God Today. And of, with, uh, with the intention of speaking to young people, but with the realization that anybody can receive from this message today from the life of Solomon. I want to begin by looking with you at the reality of limited physical life. So uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 8, he repeats the refrain that he has been repeating throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, which is the one that every atheist loves to read. The, you know, Ecclesiastes is the favorite Bible book of, uh, of atheists. And it's because they keep, he keeps repeating this phrase, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Everything is vanity. Everything is passing away. And, uh, and so, you know, the atheist loves to take that little blurb out of context and say, see, see, even the Bible says life is meaningless. You might as well live it up. The problem is that that's out of context. When the author, when Solomon says life is meaningless, you'll see that it is often paired, not here, but often paired with the phrase under the sun. Life apart from God, the physical universe without any understanding of supernatural things, yes, is absolutely meaningless. And that's why we have to realize that there is more to life than just what is under the sun. There is more to life than just what is physical, just what is natural. There is just as real as natural things, which we see with our eyes. There is also supernatural things. And those are what give life meaning. But the, uh, the author of Ecclesiastes reminds us powerfully of the reality that you, your body, your physical life, is not going to last forever. So remind you, young people, that even though you feel good today, you won't always feel good. Here He gives in our scripture a preview of what old age will look like. And it's, uh, it's powerful. <laughs> it's real. It's, uh, he doesn't hold back. Look at verse 1. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator 
Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Now, let me just preface this. I'm going to give you a list of reasons why growing old is not fun. And so for those of you who are aging or are aged or in that category, I'm not trying to depress you this morning. You, this, is not, uh, this is not a reason for despair. I'm going to give some hope in a few moments. But speaking toward young people, I want, in the spirit of King Solomon here, I want to remind you why you have something, pre- you have something precious in the moment today. You have a life that is filled with pleasantness, with pleasantries. He says one of the signs of old age is that things get more difficult, right? Even the things that we think are easy. This was, uh, this was to me a great uh, vexation when we moved to Bulgaria. Like I was used to, uh, uh, you know, uh, calling on the telephone and paying a bill or logging on to a website and, you know, put in the credit card and the bill is paid. Well, you know, uh, in a cash society, everything is cash there. You can't just do that. You can't just call and transfer funds. You can't just, and and so you would have to, uh, you'd have to go to the ATM machine and pull out all your money into cash. And then you'd have to go to the government building, stand in line. And it was difficult. It took hours. It took time. and, And it was the worst day of the month for me was the day to pay bills. And oftentimes I would get to the building and I'd see a line coming out the front and I'd say, nope. And I'd come back the next day. I'd say, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather them shut off the electricity. I don't want to stand in that line. Too difficult. And I have found that as we get older, the things that we took for granted in the youth become more difficult with time. Your life gathers complications along the way. A mark of growing older means that life is not as pleasant, joyful, or purposeful as it used to be. And part of the reason why that happens is because our physical body begins to break down. We begin to experience in our flesh the very results of the sin in the garden. God warned Adam and Eve in the garden that the day of you take of that fruit, you will surely die. Now, God was merciful in the fact that when they ate of that fruit, they did not drop dead in the moment. God would have been right to do that. But he was merciful in the fact that their hearts did not stop beating. However, the spirit of death and the process of death began working in them, in their physical bodies. We know that there was a spiritual price to pay, but also that was the moment when death began. Death came as a result of sin. And the reason why anything ever gets sick, the reason why anything ever dies, is because of the curse of sin. Everybody still with me? That curse of sin in Adam and Eve, it took 900 plus years for it to work itself out, right? The Bible says that, you know, our, the patriarchs, they lived to be hundreds of years old. But after the flood, the, the world changed a lot. And from that time, the, the age of human beings was limited by God to be 120 years, no more than that, only in extremely rare occasions. The truth is, this morning, the reality is that the, the process of death begins to work in our bodies. 
The gospel is powerful to save us from our sins. But every person who's over 40 here, you've got evidence of the curse of sin right now in your body. You can feel it. When you wake up in the morning and you go to bed, it used to be you go to bed, you wake up feeling great, yeah. But when we get a little older, you go to bed and you wake up feeling worse than you did when you laid down. What's going on here? <laughs> it's the curse of sin. Verse 2. So the, 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 the message here is to remember. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes. Rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs start to tremble. Your shoulders start to stoop. My favorite, before your teeth stop grinding. Right? In a world before they had dentists and orthodontists and orthopedic surgeons and, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the teeth are some of the first things to go. And in that world... You know, they they wouldn't be able to eat potato chips beyond the age of 40, right? Now, all the teeth would begin falling out, wouldn't be able to grind. You'd have to eat soft soups, can't eat the meats that we love, you know. And he's he's saying, listen, your body is literally going to wear out. And this is so important for us to hear and to understand in a in a, uh, in a culture that is consumed with health and well-being, right? It is consumed with youth culture. In fact, uh, you know, the, if you went to a magazine section of any store, you're not going to see very many people under the age or over the age of 30 on magazine covers. You know why? Because in our culture, we don't value older age. We value the youth. We value beauty. We value those things which are fading away. Your eyes, your legs, your shoulders, your teeth. We celebrate, you know, uh, the Olympic victories that all happen because of the, the strength of the physical body that is on display in those amazing sports. But you know what? You don't see anybody there over the age of 40. Why? Because they're not going to win any gold medals. You can't compete with a 20-year-old at the top of his game, right? This is a reminder that you have an expiration date. Pastor, this is too depressing. Can Can we switch to a different sermon right now? Ecclesiastes 7, verse 4. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Why is that? Because of what it will produce in you. Now, I'm not saying we should be macabre, that we should, you know, dress like goths and wear black eye makeup all the time. I'm saying we shouldn't, you know, be consumed by death, but we ought to consider it. When we consider that you have an expiration date. When you begin to think, you know, there's a day on the calendar that I am not going to be on this planet anymore. There is coming a day, and it's not very far away. When somebody will be mourning the loss of you. <laughs> and Pastor Mitchell said, then they'll, they're going to eat potato salad. 
it happens to all of us, the death rate among human beings is still 100%. And we can't get around it unless Jesus comes back. That's our hope. But the purpose of this message, the purpose of King Solomon in saying these things to young people is this. You have precious time that not everybody has. You have opportunity that not everybody has. And if you are alive here today, uh, even if your teeth are falling out, and even if your legs are shaking, and even if your shoulders are stooping, if you're alive, you should appreciate it even more. Because God has still given you another day. Serve God today. Remember him today. So point number two is this. What we do today matters. You made a good decision today to be in church, to be in the assembly, to be gathered together with God's people. Those of you who are watching online, you are also making uh, almost a good decision of joining us through the miracle of live stream. You've made that good decision. But see, God gives us this decision every day. Listen to verse 6 of our scripture. Remember your creator now. While you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. Maybe you've heard the sentiment uh, of people who uh, want to live it up and live a party lifestyle and those who you know, don't want to pay attention to morality and ethics, uh, people who uh, don't want to discipline their lives. And what do they say? Oh, serving God is for old people. Yeah, I'll go to church one day, one day when I'm old and gray. You know, and it's true that old people tend to get more serious about their relationship with God, and I think it's because they're closer to heaven, right? And it's like, okay, this is getting serious. But the problem with that mentality for young people to say, yeah, yeah, I know what's right, I know I should do that, but I'm not going to do it now, I'm going to do it later. The problem with that you don't even know if you have a later. You don't even know if you have tomorrow. And that's why it is critical that you do what's right today. You remember God. You remember his statutes. You remember to do righteousness today before the time comes. See, time is your most precious commodity. People said, uh, would you rather have a million dollars or a million guaranteed days? I'd rather have a million guaranteed days because time is more precious than money. If you have an appreciation for money, and everybody does, then you should even appreciate your time more than that. Some people look back, you know, on their lives and they say, well, I wish... Man, I wish I would have made better decisions with money. I would have been more well-off today. And while that's true, don't let that stop you from making good financial decisions today. You know, I, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this article that, uh, that I read that's, that uh, it said, what if you had back in 2007 when the iPhone, Apple first released the iPhone, 
And, uh, you know, the, the price of the iPhone when it was released in 2007 was $499. And they said, well, what if you had taken the price of that iPhone and instead of buying the new gadget, you would have just taken that $499 and bought Apple stock instead of an Apple iPhone. And you know what they calculated? They, they worked out all the, the details and the numbers and they, they figured out that just that one-time investment, if you would have kept it for these, uh, these uh, 16 years or whatever it is, that you would have close to $20,000. And you would be able to buy, you know, 20 iPhones, brand new ones. And the point is, you know, we can look back and say, oh, why was I so stupid? I dumped it all on a gadget, you know, that uh, it just wore out within a year. I should have just, you know, I should have invested. I should have done something with it. And, and we, can, we can pull our hair out thinking, uh, and I, I hear from old people, and they tell me all the time, they say, I was there. Uh, I was there when Steve Jobs, you know, released the Apple stock. I could have bought them for pennies, pennies, oh. And, and I, I'm thinking to myself, what difference does it make? You don't have a time machine? Why don't you invest something today? <laughs> Why don't you buy an Apple stock today? If you're so worried about it, do something today. You shouldn't let mistakes of the past stop you from making good decisions today. This is also true about your life. Let me just give you a hint. The reason why you are the person that you are today is because of decisions that you've made in the past. It's no mystery here. This is not, you know, far out. This is, this is, this is common sense. The person you are today is the result of decisions that you have made, your parents and the, and the house that you grew up in. Those, all of those decisions have produced the person you are today. Now, if you look at your life today and you say, well, I don't like my life today, who do you have to blame? Yeah, you could say, you know, my situation, my parents. Yeah, you could say, you could say some other things. But ultimately, the thing that's going, going to have any effect on your life, if you'll be honest and you'll say, you know what, it's mostly because I did some stupid things. Okay, so if it's true that the person you are today is a result of the decisions you made in the past, then it stands to reason, which is in short quantity today, it stands to reason that the person you will be one year from today, the person you will be five years from today, the person you will be in 50 years from today is directly related to the decisions that you are making today. And so if you want to, you know, if you want to look into the, uh, into the future, if you want to look into the crystal ball of your future, I can predict what kind of person you're going to be in 10 years' time based on the decisions you're making today. I know there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of things we can't see. Uh, the future is unpredictable. You know, uh, there might be a meteorite that strikes the earth and change everything. You know what I'm saying? But, but I can predict the course of your life based on decisions that you're making, based on the words that you're speaking, based on the company that you are keeping. Your friends that you hang out with. Pastor Campbell says, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. This is so true. That uh, if it's true that our life is passing away, that tomorrow is not guaranteed, it means that we should do something right today. 
Time, just like money, just like your life, can only be spent once. Don't you wish you could spend the same $20 over and over again? Don't you wish you could get 100 bucks and then just like the disciples feeding the, the bread and the fish, you know, that it's just like multiplying in your hand? You can't do that. It, it, it's like you, you can't, you know, forge the check. If you're the federal government, maybe you could do it. But you, you can't do it. You can't just spend the same money over and over again. Once you run out of money, there's a great place you got to go to work. When you go to work, you can make more money, and then you can spend money. Money can only be spent once. This is also true about time. Today is the 15th of August, 2021. Can I remind you, you only get one chance to live this day. You only get one chance. And yes, there's going to be another August 15th next year, but that's a different August 15th. There's only one chance to live today. There's only one August 16th, tomorrow, 2021. Are you going to do right with it? Time is like money, can only be spent once, but it's also true of your life. You only have one life to live. You only have one chance to get it right. And that's why every single day of your life is so critical, so important. Don't waste it on YouTube. Don't waste it doing things that mean nothing. Don't waste your time, your potential, your talent. Don't waste your ability, the life that God gave you. You know, there's lots of people that don't have the time that you have. There's lots of people who wish they had what you have. There's people who live in third world nations that are digging through trash piles as I'm speaking today just for one scrap of food. The abundance of their life is wrapped up in just surviving to the next day. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that? Aren't you glad you have the freedom and the opportunity and the ability and the physical strength to get out of bed and not have to worry about where your next meal is coming from? You know what that means? God has blessed you with the ability to do something more, more important. What are you using it for? What would happen if I took you today and I swapped you with that, with that 10-year-old kid digging through the trash? And I put them in your place, and I put you in their place. I wonder what they would do with your life if they had it. What would they do tomorrow? Would they spend the whole 10 hours of waking time uh, uh, looking at, at, uh, at Try Not to Laugh videos on TikTok? <laughs> oh, I just got somebody here. I just got them. <laughs> okay, so let's close with this. How... Do we maximize our potential? This is the hope, the dream, and the goal of every pastor and ultimately of God himself. This is what God wants from your life. This is the point of this scripture is how do we take the potential of our lives and we make it actually happen? Because there's a big difference between what you're capable of and what you are actually doing today, right? 
What would happen if tomorrow you started using every uh, opportunity to do something for God? So how do we get between here and there? How do we get from where we are wasting time, talent, potential to the place where we can maximize the time, talent, and abilities that God has given us? I wish the Bible had something to say about it. Oh, it does. Look at this. The first thing that you got to do is stop making excuses. I wonder if you could repeat that with me today. Stop making excuses. Matthew 12, verse 36. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. An excuse is a careless word. It means nothing. Guess what? You can find an excuse for anything. Can people on death row who have just murdered, you know, 20 people, they can find an excuse. And you can find an excuse this morning about why you're not achieving your potential. I want to challenge you, first of all, it's time to stop making excuses. The reason that you are the person uh, th- that you're not the person you want to be is not because of some, uh, somebody else. Leave your excuse behind. I don't want to hear it. Take responsibility and say, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to maximize my potential. The truth is that every excuse hinders the kingdom of God and will cause you to miss your destiny. If you are not successful in your ministry, if you are not successful in your marriage, if you're not successful in your your, uh, education, stop blaming other people. Is it that hard? It's not the government. It's not the house you grew up in. It's It's not the society. It's not racism. It's you. Your life will never change while you are making excuses. Even on the day of judgment, Jesus says, people will be making excuses. Lord, oh, I wanted to serve you. Oh, there was a church right down the street. And every time I passed it, Lord, I thought to myself, you know, I should go to that church. How's that going to hold up? Is Jesus going to say, oh, I see your intentions. Oh, I know your heart. Yeah, come on in with all your filth and nastiness. Come on in with all your lies and your fornication. Is that going to work? Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's a couple more, and then we'll close. How to maximize your potential. Stop making excuses. Secondly, win the battle between good versus best. This is perhaps one of the most tragic things that I see in people's lives. It's one thing that you see in sports, right? You see a sports team that has talent and has ability and has potential to win the game or to win the championship. But the problem is, uh, like, you know, the problem with my Phoenix Suns this year was that they started well, right? They played on fire for like the first half or the first few games, and then they ran out of gas. They didn't have an answer for, for, uh, for the other team. The problem is that many times we play good enough only to lose later on. We do what we think is enough to get by. 
only to lose later on? Are you losing out on the best that God has for you because you're doing good enough? Famous story in 2 Kings chapter 13, where the prophet tells the king to strike, to take the arrows and strike the ground. And he says, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with this king because he only struck it three times. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. It's a complicated story, but it tells us that the, the king's heart wasn't in it, man. He said, okay, let's just, let's just have three victories. That'll be enough. And the man of God was like, what's wrong with you? Was he doing something evil? No. He was every strike of the ground that the arrows represented a victory against the enemies. And so he struck it three times. That's good, right? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But the man of God was angry. Why didn't you hit the ground five or six times? He said, there's a problem here. You've accepted what is good instead of what is best. Happens every day in the kingdom. Happens every day with young people. Sell yourself short. You could be doing incredible things. You could be doing great things. You could be reading your Bible and memorizing scripture. You could be a prayer warrior, but you've settled for church attendance. And because you do that, you have a more difficult battle to fight with your life. If you want to maximize potential, you've got to see every single day, I want to do the most that I possibly can for Jesus today while I have time. Verse 9 of our scripture, he gives us some clues. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise. He taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. If you want to maximize potential, you've got to know how to learn, and you've got to know how to teach. See, every person who is a teacher is also a learner. The problem with learning things is that you've got to admit you don't know some things. Some people are so full, their heads and their egos are so full that they can't receive any truth. Can you still learn things? Can you still hear God when he's trying to speak to you? And when you learn things, are you keeping that to yourself or can you pass that on? This is what discipleship is all about. Learning things and teaching things. Verse 10 goes on to say, the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. He learned how to communicate well. He learned how to use the gift of speech and language to, to, to teach and to speak and to communicate well. Dying art in our generation. Where every word is shortened and the language is being destroyed. You know, just about a hundred years ago, uh, the English language... Uh, used an average of about 25,000 words every single day. Today, the most common language is 10,000 or less. Our vocabulary is shrinking. People make fun of me because I use words that nobody understands what they mean. Well, my wife specifically. She calls me Captain Dictionary. But you know what? I like using lots of words because it helps me to communicate clearly. Do you communicate? Communication requires two people speaking. 
two people listening. We're not going to maximize potential all up by ourselves in our own little bubble. Communicating with people, communicating with God. Verse 11 says we, we need to receive correction. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick. Did you ever read a scripture? You felt like God was spanking you on the behind with a nail-studded stick? Sometimes I felt like that sitting under preaching in conference. That's why we go to conference, by the way, so that we can get cattle prodded. Oh, okay, back, back to doing right. This is what we need sometimes because why? We get comfortable. We get set in our ways. Oh, maybe it's just me. And finally, the conclusion of the matter is this. Remember that when this life is over, there is a judgment coming. There is a God who does hold people accountable, and that's you. That's why the conclusion of Solomon was this in verse 13. Fear God. Obey his commandments. This is everyone's duty. Remember, verse 14, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. You want to talk about motivational speeches. That's it. That's all I need. I don't need to get hyped up and get emotionally uh, stirred up. No, all I need is to be reminded what you do today, God is watching. And he's keeping a good record. Is that, is that uh, fear tactics? Is that intimidation? Uh, well, it would be if it was coming from me, but it's not. That's God who says, I'm watching. I will take account. I will judge correctly. No human being can do this, but God can. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you this, you must give an account. Children, listen up. Your parents will not give an account for you. You will give your own account one day. That's why you can't get to heaven based on your parents' obedience. Did you hear that? You will give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Luke 12, verse 2, the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Romans 14, 12, each of us will give his own personal account to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for good or evil we have done in this earthly body. What does it mean? It means you need to serve God today. You do, do what's right today. Pastor, I made too many mistakes in the past. Don't let it stop you because you can serve God today. Pastor, I'm too worried about the future. Don't let it stop you because you can serve God today. Let tomorrow worry about itself, Jesus says. Do what's right today, and God will strengthen you. God will help you. The word of King Solomon is remember God. Serve him now. Young and old alike, you still have opportunity to do something for him. Use it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.
much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.